Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest today is Julian Korea, Juju Monster on Instagram. He is the first American to podium in the British Talent Cup. Just missed out on the Red Bull Rookies Cup. I have him tell you the story. I'm telling you, this kid is going places, 15 years old, and I think his future is so bright. You're going to love this kid. You're going to love his dad. I had his dad on. You're going to love him. Enjoy Juju Monster. There we go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's been too long. I've been on the road traveling, but you know what? Always got my ear and my eye on the Instagram, following America's hottest racers. And this guy I got coming up right now. Man, I'm so excited. I had his dad on, and now I got him on. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for welcoming to Tales from a Gemini. And I, this dude right now, it's his uh, his birthday. was a couple days ago. I think you're 15 now? Yeah, yes, yes, sir. 15 years old. He's the first American to podium at at the British Talent Cup. He got a second place. I don't know why he didn't get first. I mean, he, I don't know why. I will find out. Anyway, welcome, my friend, my newest, bestest buddy, Mr. Juju Monster. How you doing, Juju? Good, dude. How are you? Man, I'm doing great now, man. Thanks for being on the show. I'm excited. How'd you celebrate your birthday? Um, I was at Barbara Morsworth Park this weekend for the Weird GNF, and that's how I celebrated my birthday on the bike, doing what I love. That's what, man. This, oh my God, I love it. This is perfect. If I was a, if I was a sponsor, I'd be like, okay, we got this kid. How great is that? Most people go to you know Hooters or back in my day, you go to McDonald's. You spend it at a racetrack. Actually, you know what? I spent my birthday at Barber two years ago on a racetrack. Yeah. Isn't that the great, is that your favorite racetrack in America? Yeah. Yeah. By far. Well, I, I would say it's my favorite racetrack so far. I don't, I haven't raced Moto America, so I haven't hit any of the like really big tracks like the Ridge or, or Coda or anything like that. So for the, for the tracks that I've ridden in America so far, it's my favorite for sure. I, I think you I think you got to hit Moto America. I mean, uh, um, Coda up, and then make a decision. No offense to the Ridge, but I mean, you know, I, I, I look I look at I look at Barber and and the Coda as the greatest American racetracks there are. I, I just really think Barber. The great thing about Barber is. It's it really compares to the other tracks I think around the world because it, it got the great museum there, and yeah. just like what's your favorite part of the track? What's your favorite section? Oh, so for me, I love the elevation. Yes. Um, so like going down into Charlotte's Web yes. or after turn two is amazing. But I also love the fast and flowy sections. So the last sector of the lap from, you know, the first uh, really fast chicane after Museum Corner. Yeah. I absolutely love like both those chicanes are really nice. And then how you go over the rise and then up into the long right-hander before going on, before chucking into the left for the front straight. I mean, I, to be honest, I can't pick a favorite part of the track. I mean, Charlotte's web is great, you know, for, for videos and, you know, practicing on, with the braking techniques and everything like that. But then you have turn one that dips down and it's like blind and, and then you go up the crest after turn two, and then you have museum corner where you're mid corner and you can look and watch the the world famous Barber Museum. I mean, there's not really a favorite. The whole track, the facility, everything's amazing. Well, you should be looking at the museum corner if you're going through. You should be like, hey, nice museum as you're racing. I mean, you should yeah. be focused on what you got to do. Because I the same way with me, when I'm going that first turn and you see those trees there, and before, I mean, this is before I knew what I was doing. Not that I know what I'm doing now, but when I knew before I knew what I was doing, it's kind of scary to see them trees. Come 
coming. And then you got to go, yeah, I got to yeah. go this way. You know, I mean, you know what you're doing because you're a professional. But for me, it, it was scary. I mean, it was like a like a puckering moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I love, I love, love, love Barber. Love. What's your favorite racetrack to be on? In the world? In the world. Because you travel the world. So your favorite racetrack. Oof. If you had to pick. Um, you know, I love Silverstone. You can't not like a GP track, can you? Yes. Um, yes. I went to Jerez this year. Jerez was amazing. I for for European Talent Cup that Jerez was amazing. I can't say enough about it. Like the just everything about the track, the the feeling you get, and like how much you can push around there is insane. But um, for me, I think it's going to have to be Donington Park, honestly. I rode that track, too. Look at us together. Honestly, I rode that track, honestly, too. It's so amazing. My favorite sector I've ever ridden is Craner's Curve. I don't know which one That's that is, favorite. but yeah, I've, I've done no, it. The So you have turn one, okay. and then we drop straight downhill, flat out, and then the right, left, right, before going into old hairpin. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. That's I, my favorite sector. I did oh, that I on a track day. I did it on a, on, a, on a race school, and they got a little certificate, and I think they said the only thing I need to work on was my braking, and I was like, <gasps> I was so happy. I mean, I was I was ecstatic. They called me up, and they go, here's your certificate, and I was like a little kid. I was like, yay, and they said, work on your braking. I said, okay, thanks. Yes. I was like, I was like a little kid, man. I was so happy, but yes. Yeah, that's yeah, Dunnington Park. Just I've ridden it what three times now, maybe four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four I think now. It's just it's amazing. Like I'm excited to go back to it every time. What's your number? What's your what do you grade at as far as like uh, on a track? Like is it your braking? Is it your passing? Do you like the the speed? Do you like like what what is your strong point? Um, for me, I've kind of been known for a bit of my breaking, I guess you can say I'm a very hard, deep breaker. And that's, that's what kind of, I form my, my riding around during the race. So a lot of my race, I, you know, I look back at my breaking Mm -hmm. and where I can, obviously, you know, you have to have the corner speed on Moto3 and, you know, you have to have a bit of strategy because in Moto3, you never know what's going to happen, honestly. It's everything's so tight and, you know, you're all in one big group. So you never know what is going to happen. But for me, I like to break down my passing in 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 breaking areas, if you know what I mean. Okay. So I, for me, now I'm getting a bit heavy, uh-huh. a bit bigger. So it's hard for me to make the overtakes that I used to when I was a bit smaller on the straightaway. So for me now, it's just all about braking and, and the corner speed. So what I've been trying to figure out lately is how to use my amazing braking and um, put and combine it with corner speed to get, you know, the maximum out of it. Okay. Wait a minute. How, how much do you weigh in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in pounds? We're going American in pounds. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I weighed myself this morning, 132 pounds. And so now that you're getting heavier, you know what? I should just turn this podcast off right now. 130. Now, well, it's it's heavier for for us on on the Moto threes. You know, it's <laughs> I'm slowly losing a bit a mile an hour on the straight every every weekend. It's going down a little bit, a little bit. But it's good that we have weight regulations mm-hmm. in British Town Cup, so everyone has to be a certain weight, which makes it a bit easier and and makes it 
um, you know, fair, fair, fair playground. Well, you know what? Honestly, this the way I look at it. I know it's kind of it sounds bad, whatever, but I just like the way it looks. It makes you guys look more professional. I mean, you don't want to see a fat racer. No offense. I saw some guys and I hate to, I don't want to call out Moto, Moto America, but you know, I saw some fat racers and I go, that don't look good. I mean, it looks like, you know, like I could be out there. You want racers to look like racers, like, oh, that's a professional. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, you got to want that sleek look. You don't want like a fat ass getting on the bike and like, he races? You know, you don't want people doing that. You want people to go, that's a racer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing too that I really enjoy about racing is the time that I have to put in in order to be successful in racing. So for me, you know, going, you know, to the gym or, or getting on the bicycle every day or going for a run and, you know, improving my body, which obviously will help later on in life too. But, you know, building that discipline to want to go out and, and, and improve your body every day is, is what is, I think I, I find it pretty cool that, that that's kind of what we have to do to, to to be successful in racing because you're not you're not going to be successful in racing if you're tired after lap five you know you have to have the endurance and the strength to make it through to make it through what MotoGP races are like 27 26 laps now yeah well it depends but, on the track but yeah yeah so you can't be you can't be tired after you know lap five lap six and, and then the rest of the race is over you know so um that's what that's something that I find pretty cool about racing as well is that all of us have to be you know not only top racers but we have to be top athletes. Now, has it always been that way? Have you always liked to work out, or was it was it something you like basically willed yourself to like? I'm gonna like this, or I'm gonna enjoy this process. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been an active kid. Um, you know, you can ask my parents. I've never just been one to sit inside on a screen and 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 sit there for hours with you know, with a controller in my hand. Obviously I'm a kid. Um, I like to play video games every once in a while, you know, what's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite. Oh, I can't play any other games besides MotoGP. Or, or <laughs> or, or, dude, I can't get away from racing, dude. I can't play any other game. I can't do it. I love it. I love I it. I get bored. I get bored. Like it, I'll, I'll play it for like 20 minutes. You know, a lot of the popular games that kids play now are like call of duty or Fortnite. I mean, I can play it for 20 minutes and that's it. I'm bored. <laughs> if I, I can sit and play Ride 4 MotoGP all day long. So basically you eat, breathe, and sleep this shit. I mean, basically, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, I swear. And if I'm going to bed and I'm like, I have YouTube on, on, on my TV or something, I have either a MotoGP race, Moto America race, you know, one of my races or, or someone, you know, like an onboard video or something of a track that I'm going to next. Like, I, I honestly, I can't get away from it. Like, I just get bored with anything else at this point. Okay, so what was your life like before you discovered the love of motorcycle racing? You decided to bleed your parents dry money-wise and get into the sport <laughs> of motorcycle. Like, what, what, what was life like before you found the love of motorcycle where it became an obsession? Yeah, so obviously you may know because you had my dad on the podcast, but my dad's always been in love with motorcycles. Yes. Um, my mom growing up had dirt bikes. Her, her family, um, you know, lived on a farm and they they uh, they had dirt bikes. So the family has been around motorcycles before I came along. But when I was little, I was in love with ball sports. I played every sport under the sun. I did, you know, flag football because obviously you can't tackle when you're yeah. four or five. But <laughs> I played flag football. I, I was really good at baseball, actually. Yeah. Uh, my dad almost made it to, which, you know, he almost made it 
professional in soccer. So yes. I was really, really good at soccer. Um, you know, I played basketball in a rec league and, you know, I, 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 I was always doing something, you know, and then, um, you know, one time my dad went to go watch, um, a race at, at New Jersey Motorsports Park. And, and we, um, we saw a couple kids on fifties, um, doing demos at, um, with NJ Mini GP. And that's kind of where my love, um, of motorcycle racing came. Cause before that, I didn't really think too much of it. Uh, it was kind of just, you know, sit on the back of my dad's motorcycle and, you know, but I never really felt that, you know, kind of tingly love feeling you get that I get now whenever I at the track or something. But, um, yeah, before that I was a big ball sports guy. Um, even still, um, I love playing basketball for me now. I've kind of not really played as much baseball, you know, football or, or soccer um, right now, my brother is pretty into, into basketball. So, um, you know, I also quite like basketball. So we kind of have that mutual love for basketball and, and we're able to play together. So whenever I'm not, you know, training or, or working out or, or on a bike, I'm, I'm playing with him in the driveway and, uh, playing basketball. Who's better you or him? Oh, I'm better because I'm taller. <laughs> once he grows like a foot or something, I'm still growing. I think he he might have me because he's he's getting a bit better. But it's good because I'm able to push him to be better because the kids he's playing with aren't going to be as tall as me. So I'm able to to push him and and it's making him better. How old is he? How old is he? Grayson's ten. He turned ten last last month actually. Okay, that's great. Okay, so that that do you play him hard? Do you try to block his stuff and you know Oh yeah, all the time. I swat everything. <laughs> I, I don't let nothing go up, dude. Nothing goes up on me. He, he he's gotta get lucky to get it up. Trust me. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Hey, you're gonna make yeah. him better. You have made him you have made him cry yet? Exactly. That's why I do it. It, it builds character. You know, <laughs> he's gonna wanna bully all the other kids in basketball and that's how you're gonna have to play the game anyways. But it's good too because he he hasn't really made up his mind whether he wants to play basketball fully or or he wants to race motorcycles which i know how that feels because i was in a travel league in soccer when after we moved to florida and i had to you know sit down for a couple days and and think like really put a lot of effort into you know do i want to which one do i want to take more seriously because it was getting to the point where i was building and like I was getting really, really good at racing, mm -hmm. but I had already been really, really good at soccer and I had a pathway in both, but it was really, it was a really hard decision for me. But obviously, you know, I had to pick racing just cause I don't know. I, I, I can't really tell you why I picked it. I just did. And I'm, I'm glad I did. Wow. So you were that good in soccer. I'm telling you, dude, I was, I was. I don't want to say I don't want to toot my own horn. No, go ahead, toot it, bro. I was toot good, it. dude. I was good. I I was um, starting in this travel league that was, you know, number four. I think number four or five in the state we were at some point, and um, like we, I was pretty good, and I was a I was a center midfielder, okay. and um, it was. I had a pathway for both, but I, I had to pick one. I couldn't do both. You should have told me that when I saw you at Silverstone. I mean, when I yeah, when I saw you at Silverstone, you should have told me, and we would have got the ball out, and we would have done a little this and that. Hey, I'm pretty good. Tell you, here's how good I am. Now, I've never played soccer for ever, okay, ever, but I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and I practice a lot on my own, and in my gym, I go to the racquetball courts, and I kick the ball around, and, and this Nigerian guy came in, and he goes, hey, how long have you been playing? I said, I never played. He goes, 
are you serious? So if a Nigerian guy said that, and I also yeah. played my buddy, who's also, he's, he's, he's on a, a, a semi-pro team, and he uh, shoots the ball around with me also. We kicked the ball around, and he asked me how long I've been playing. I said, I haven't. So I'm pretty good, too. So next time we get together, it's going to be me, you, and also Frankie Morbidelli has been talking a little shit, too. So we all three can get together and kick the ball around. We'll see yeah, who's yeah. better. How about that? Sweet, sweet. <laughs> yeah, dude, this, it, it was definitely a hard decision for me. It was probably one of the hardest in my life. It was just I had a love and a passion for both, and I was, you know, I had a path for both, and I was really good at both, and I had um, talent for both. So it was a hard decision for me, but I'm sure my parents would have liked me to, to pick the soccer <laughs> route and not more soccer <laughs> route for, for many reasons, but – uh, you know, it's, I'm glad I did because I, I enjoy it so much. Who's your favorite uh, soccer player? Oh, Messi now because he lives in Miami. <laughs> okay, but, but before Messi moved to Miami, who's your favorite? So, I mean, my dad has always been a really big Ronaldo guy, and yes. um, I was too. I was quite a big Ronaldo guy for a while, but I Messi started to grow on me. Um, quite a bit in the past couple of years. Well, you know what? It's greatness. You know, I spent my whole life hating Tom Brady, and then I and then I went, why? I mean, he wants to get better. Later in life, he wanted to get better. He didn't get fat like most athletes. He wanted to get better. How can you hate people who want who are already great and they want to be even better? You know, you want to even be even greater. So you can still love both of them. I just like the the path they both take on still trying to get better, and that's that's got to trickle down to you in what you do. If you see somebody like Ronaldo and Messi who are in their mid to late thirties, most guys don't go that long, and to still play at a high level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like Rossi, isn't it? Rossi. You know, rode till he was what forty two, and Ross. People don't realize Rossi was faster his latter year. I mean, he was he was fast, but everybody else, you know, the young guys were. Everyone fast. else was just that much faster. Yes, and he was faster, but it was just you know, and it was just time. But Rossi really didn't lose anything. Unfortunately, he didn't go out the way you know you wanted him to. But still, he still had it. You know. Yeah, and the thing for me too is I read um. I read something on Instagram after Pedrosa did his amazing stuff around uh, around Jerez, and it was I read and it was Pedrosa saying Pedrosa's thirty seven now, I right. believe. Yeah, and he was saying that um, he has so much more respect now for Rossi because Rossi his last podium was when he was thirty eight, and like Pedrosa, obviously Pedrosa was there, but he was saying it's just so much harder than it used to be. Man, honestly, I mean, just little things that I do, like working out, it's harder. So, I mean, yeah. you, you don't understand it. You won't understand it until you get to my age, and by then I'll be dead. But, but yeah. so by then, if you get to my age, no, and I'll be dead, I want you to just kind of give me a shout-out or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, you don't realize how hard it is. It, it's, yeah. it's the truth. But at the same time, man, what you kids don't understand is you're at, you're at one of the greatest stages of life right now. You got everything to achieve great, you got you, I, and people don't un underestimate the value of YouTube. YouTube is everything. You can learn new training methods. YouTube and, and, and Instagram, social media, people talk about the bad parts of social media. Social media, is, the good parts is you can learn the, the mental of, or, or go to places where you can find, you know, how to get a, a mental coach or the mental game, the physical game. I mean, it, you're, oh, I, 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 I'm so jealous of you guys. I really am because you have everything at your disposal now for greatness to achieve it and it's right at your fingertips yeah you know 
So yeah, yeah it is. It is cool too because it's you have that much. It's it's good to know that you have that much potential, and it's just kind of you know building that discipline to 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 want to bring that potential out, and that kind of keeps me going too to work out. Is I know I have that much more in me. It's just gotta you just have to you know bring it out of you. What do you feel you have to unlock that you have to really work on to to un- release that? Great. Or, or do you feel like maybe it's just time if you keep working yeah, and working? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you don't become the grace of all time overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take experiences. It's going to take, you know, a bunch of learning curves, which I've had the past couple of years in, in the British Town Cup. You know, I went into it, you know, not knowing what I was getting myself into really. And, um, you know, I went out and I got my first podium the first weekend that I had ever ridden in British Hanukkah. Wow. So for me, uh, now that I look back at it, I like, I'm, you know, a lot more mature after, after I went through it and I, and now I look back at it and I'm like, well, maybe I wouldn't have, you know, gotten to where I am now if, if that didn't happen, but I went through the whole rest of the season, just, you know, going for podiums and, and, you know, I only got one the whole season and that was the only podium because I was just, pushing too hard and, 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 you know, clogging my mind with, with, with too much stuff. Like I wanted to make everyone proud, but I wasn't focusing on me and what I had to do. And, you know, I went into this season um, with a totally different mindset and a totally different approach um, to everything. Uh, I had lived there for eight months last year. Mm -hmm. I lived in England for the 2020 two season. Where, where, where exactly in England? Where in England? Um, just outside of Sheffield. Okay. Okay. With, um, the goat himself, Jay Dexter from DRC leathers. He, he housed me for those eight months, but, <laughs> um, you know, big shout out to him. I wouldn't be here without him, but, um, I went into this season with a totally different mindset, totally different approach. And, and you can see the difference because, um, you know, when I was here at home, I was always doing something. I was either working out on a bike, on a, you know, in the gym, on a motorcycle, doing something, you know, and, and I knew that's what I was going to have to do if I wanted to be successful this year. And, um, it was a lot easier being home because mm-hmm. that was a big part of what I was missing last year was being home, like without being with my family for eight months and only being 13 is really difficult. And, you know, it's now I look back, I I don't really know how I did it for eight months. You know, the first, you know, month or so you're like, Oh, I'm away from home. I don't have to do anything. You know, I'm I'm without my parents and everything is going amazing, but eventually it does start to come back to you. You know, you do miss your parents. You, you miss obviously the turd of a brother I have, but uh, (laughs) you you miss laying in your bed. You miss, you know, the car ride with your parents and, and you miss everything really. It, you, you become homesick and it really affected me, but I didn't know how to get it out to the people that cared about me. And that was my problem was that I didn't speak up and it, you know, hindered me for the rest of the year. And I only really got it out for the last two rounds. And those were the, those last two rounds were really positive going into this season. But it, I think if, that was another, you know, like I said before, a big learning curve that that I had to go through in order for for me to improve like I did this year. And last year I finished 
12th in the championship. And this year we finished fifth. So there's a massive improvement and it shows that, that I did put in that work and, and me and my family, you know, we worked together to, to get what we did this year. And, um, you know, I finished with a lot more podiums than I did last year. And now going into this, um, upcoming season, I'm going for, for one more year with the same team. Um, and now I'm going for the championship. That's, that's, that's mainly what I want. And another big thing, which I'm sure we'll get into later is, is rookies cup. And yes. Rookies I'll, cup, yes. I was going to yeah. hit you on that. I was going to go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Cause rookies cup is, it's a, you know, a big thing for, for an American to be in, you know, not many of us get to go in and, and it's, it's really populated by a lot of the Europeans. So for us, it's a big honor to be in it. And I was able to go to the selection event, which we'll get into later, but, um, my big motivation for next year is going straight into rookies cup for being a champion. You know, I, I, this an event was really hard for me. Yeah. So for me, I just want to go in, be a champion, you know, not have to worry about the selection event and just, you know, solidify that, I, that I'm a rookie rider. Now you talked about it. We'll get to the rookies cup. I want to get to that. That's why I really want to get into that, man. Uh, and congratulations on being selected for that. But also, I mean, just make this, you know, in being invited to that is, but, like how low did it get for you when you start missing home? Like you said, when, you know, when you're young, at first you're like, I'm away from home. And then all of a sudden, like, how low did it get for you? Like, did you ever cry at night? Did you call your parents every night or whatever? Like, how low yeah. did it get? And how did you get out of that hole? So I was, you know, every night, my mom, my mom's very affectionate. She has a lot of feelings. So every night I was on the phone with her going, um, you know, saying goodnight before I went to bed. But for me, it was probably, you know, the first two months were okay. But once I once they came to visit me at Knock Hill for round three, I think it was at the time. And um, and when they left, that's when they really hurt me uh, after they left. Yeah. And that's kind of where my season took a big tumble. And uh, you can see by my results, I went from finishing and fighting in the top in the top group to, you know, finishing in the back of the second group. So it was really affecting me. I wasn't really doing much for my body. I was, I kind of was, you know, just doing a bunch of things that, that distracted me from the fact that I wasn't with them. And, um, what were you doing? I never, I never spoke up about it. So like, what that's were you doing? what hurt me. Like what, what exactly were you doing that you weren't, you know, that was that wasn't I just, conducive. I was sitting around a lot and not doing anything really. You know, I wasn't eating the best. I was, you know, on my phone for most of the day and not really doing anything for myself and, and to improve what, to improve, you know, me and my riding, which now obviously I, I do a ton of that, but back then I wasn't doing anything like that's the best I can put it is I just wasn't doing anything. Well, who showed you the way? Because a lot of times people don't know how to be great. I mean, like, you know, now, there's things I like I, I learned now, like, oh, if I would have known that. But once somebody shows you, kind of like, at least for me, when they guide you and show you, like, okay, this is how you become great, or this is how you become better than everybody else, or this is how you make a day productive and how you go to a next level. When somebody shows you their blueprint and you can go from there, and it's, how, how was it for you? Like, who showed you that way? So for me, um, I have to give all credit to Michael Torres. Michael Torres is 
my personal um, fitness coach and mental coach. Yeah. And, you know, my dad had been asking me questions of what was wrong and, and, um, and why I wasn't performing like I was in the beginning of the season. Cause the beginning of the season, I was performing it at a whole different level. And um, he was asking me and for me, it was, I couldn't tell him cause he was part of the problem. Cause I've always had my dad at the races. I've always, he's always been around me. Me and him are, are really close. Like it's me, it's me and him first, me and my mom in the house or first <laughs> him and my brother, my mom and my brother in the house. That's just how it is. It's, it's a two-sided house kind of thing. Just cause me and my dad have built that bond between us with racing, you know, in 2021, we were gone for, um, you know, 40 something weeks out of the, out of the year, just driving around the U S building the experience, riding all the club races we could. And that's kind of where our bond really became real strong. And, you know, we share that love and that passion for racing. So that me and my dad have always been close and he's always been at the track with me. I've never been at the track without him until these past two years. And I couldn't tell him cause he, he was the reason that I wasn't performing cause I didn't have him. Okay. And, um, when I finally opened up to Mike, cause I couldn't hold it in any longer. Like it was affecting my sleep. That's how bad it was. Like I was staying up really late at night, just thinking about it. And, um, I had to, I had to get it out cause it was, it was kind of torture leaving it in. And, um, I eventually, you know, spit it out to, to my coach, Mike, and, and, um, he helped me get through it in the last two rounds. I was able to, you know, perform like I was in the beginning of the year because he was able to to give me this plan and and this way to to not have to think about it and just, you know, only focus on my job. See, I think and that's the part I think that is great with you, this generation, this time period in life. People look at the negative. I try to accentuate the positive and that you that he was, I mean, I have, I've had him on the show also, by the way. I know you're talking about, I love the guy. He's really quiet, but I love the guy because I love the results he has. And, you know, he has a relationship with Sean Dillon Kelly, who I know you love too. And I love, you can't help but love Sean. The guy's the greatest. He really is. But, but anyway, but yeah, it's like you able to pinpoint what it was. And, and it always boils down to mental. 80% of everything is pretty much, it's all mental, man. It's between yeah. the ears, you know? Yeah. You know, you talk to a bunch of people that, that, um, that don't really know that much about racing like we do. And they all kind of just think it's, you know, you twist the throttle, you grab a brake and that's all it is. But once you start to get into, you know, where you really start to take it, you know, to another level and, and you start to become pro uh, like a professional. And I don't like to consider myself a professional yet because I'm not in world championship, but um, yes, you are. Stop for it. now, you know, when you start to take it to a competitive level and, and you're racing other kids that are at your level and not just, you know, a bunch of adults in club races and you really start to, to figure out that it's, it's a science, you know, it's, you know, I would say it's probably close to 85, 90% mental. The rest of it's physical because your mind controls everything. Yes. You know? Yes. Your mind controls this and this. And your body, you know, you can't do anything unless um, unless your mind's, you know, not right. I, I would say to you, I don't know if you I don't know if you read anything or whatever. One of the 
best books that's helped me out recently. It's called uh, Project 369. It's a, it's a book by Nicholas Tesla. And it's all about mathematics or whatever. And it also, but it also deals with the mental and, and, um, you know, and affirmations and everything. If you get a chance, get that book. I think it'd be great for you because you already have a, a handle on the mental aspect of it. And I think that would just elevate you even more. I don't know if yeah. you read, but if you get a chance, get that book. I think it would help you out tremendously. Okay, sweet, yeah. If you get a chance. Also, back to what we are going to talk about, it was October 18th when you got selected for the Red Bull Rookies Cup. And what people don't understand is, and I say this all the time, you know, when, when, the, when the MotoGP bikes fire up, I mean, that makes everybody stop in their tracks. I mean, women go, <gasps> you go, you okay? You're like, yes, I'm okay. Yeah. And it makes everybody stop and, and look. Moto 3 is a damn street fight, and that's great racing. But the genesis of it all, and this is my opinion, is Red Bull Rookies Cup. That's where, I mean, it's like the great the, the seeds of greatness are planted. If you look at everybody from Marquez to Zarco to Mir, they all started in Red Bull Rookies Cup. Yeah. You know, so what was that like when you got the when you got the call that you were going to, you know, get a, a tryout with them? How was that? And how was it mentally when you find out that you didn't make the final cut? Yeah. So I've always it's been a dream of mine to ride for Red Bull Rookies Cup ever since 2015. When I first met Sean Dylan Kelly um, at Bushnell Motorsports Park with and he had a Red Bull suit on. Um I started to build a relationship with him and his dad and, and, and both of our families are now we're like, we're really close, you know, his dad and my dad, um, you know, me and him, you know, we're really close. We're, we're almost like, you know, we're all, we're like one family now, you know, I, for me, I look at him as an older brother. And, um, when I, when the rookies cup selection event opened up this year, um, that's when I first started praying that I wanted again. Um, in 2021, I applied for Rookies Cup, but I was only 12, um, which is, I think, the time when it was open at 12, but I didn't get selected for the selection event, which was fine. I don't think I was ready for it anyways. Mm -hmm. But um, it was after Donington Park this year, and um, they had us waiting quite a bit. Or no, it was after Olton Park. After Olton Park um, this year, um, they had us waiting for like a week longer than we were supposed to. But um, I was on the airplane when I got the email and uh, just by myself, I, I fly by myself back and forth to the races. Mm -hmm. So I was um, on the plane by myself and I read this email and I, I didn't really know what, what to think or what to say. Like I was speechless for the whole rest of the airplane ride. Like I kind of just had like the butterflies in my stomach. And then when I got off the plane and, and met my dad outside the airport, I just gave him the biggest hug ever. It was like this, this feeling of relief almost. Um, and, you know, being able to say that I even got selected for rookies selection event is, is an honor in itself, really. You know, they have, they get what, 5,000, 10,000 applications a year around the world. And um, I was able to, to get selected out of the 110 riders that went there. And um, ever since 2015, I've been looking at the selection event post that Red Bull Rookies Cup does. And and um, and there's this big blow up of a Red Bull that sits over the pit lane. And um, after or once I got to the track and I saw that 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 big blow up, I like 
water came to my eyes, like tears came to my eyes. I've put in eight years worth of work and sacrifices that me and my family have done to get there. And when I, when I was there and I saw it, it was, it was, I, I got really emotional. Both of us did. Cause it was just, there's so much that we've put into it as a family. And once we were there, it was, I can't really put in words, the feeling that we, that we had. Well, it's like, even though you didn't make it, it's like this. It's almost like in anything else in athletics. You know, it's like Max and Lewis in, in Formula One, where Lewis yeah. was winning, but you saw Max, the, the steady progression of Max, and you knew what was going to happen eventually, and it yeah. happened. It's like anything else in life with the Bulls and the Pistons. They had to finally, finally, they kept chipping away, chipping away, and they finally found a way, and then after that, that's when the dynasty started. And I just feel like, and it's just me speaking, you know, out of term, you know, but I just feel like the fact that you were there, you're like, okay, I'm here. It didn't make it, but... You got I'm hoping you're using that for like fuel to your fire. You know, like you said, like it's your off season now. You're going to train. You know what it takes. You've been there. You had a little taste of that. It's got to make you hungrier for next season. Like you said, you want to win that championship and go into that Red Bulls rookies. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, the first day after the first day when they were selecting the people for day three, mm-hmm. um, which I, I rode day two. So when they brought all the riders, the 25 riders from day one to the 25 riders for day two, that feeling of relief and like the feeling that I got in my stomach at when I got picked for day three, I hadn't even gotten picked for rep for full Red Bull rookies just to get into day three. It was such an amazing feeling, honestly. And um, I was the first American to get picked for the day three, like not overall, but that day, like my name was first before Christian Daniel and Jesse James. So it was kind of, I didn't have to wait too long for them to say the United States, but still it was like the biggest um, feeling of relief and, and happiness really like the whole night I, I went to bed with a smile on my face and I woke up, brushed my teeth with a massive smile on my face. So, um, but when I got, when they called Christian Daniel Jr. for the United States, on the full Red Bull selection event, I knew I probably wasn't going to get picked, but I think I can say that I was maybe the second rider to get picked from America if they were going to pick another rider. So um, I'm proud to say that I made it to day three because, you know, out of the 5,000 applications they get a year, I made the top 50. So that in itself is an honor. Now, do you think, I mean, listen, I mean, nothing's really, really, really fair, but do you think like there's an, a bias, a European bias, so to speak? Like, you know, especially with the, with the Spaniards, I mean, and I, I know, and they do a great job. I mean, I really do. I think Red Bull Rookie Cup is great. They do a great job of, you know, you had riders from Finland that you never heard of, you know, Finland or what, I don't know, they had yeah. racers there in Denmark. But at the same time, do you feel like, Maybe like I mean I don't see what the problem would be if you had two Americans who were who were really good that hey well, how come they can't be in Red Bull Rookies Cup how come it can just be one like it's the Highlander yeah I mean they did pick three Spanish riders I think I think it was two or three Spanish riders two or three Italians and one from every other country that they picked I think there was one from South Africa one from America. Um, one from England that got picked from the selection event, but Evan Belford won the championship. So he got, he just went straight into rookies cup. Um, they picked one from the Netherlands. Um, one from Austria, I want to say. 
somewhere like that, and one from Poland, I think. So, um, obviously, they picked the most of you know Spaniards and and Italians, but uh, you know you can't really deny what they're doing in Spain and Italy. Like they are that good that they deserve to have that many riders go in, and they all they're all like equally as quick. So I think it's harder to be a Spaniard and get picked than it is for an American to get picked because there's so many of them that get into the selection event because they're all so good. But I, for me, I think it's more difficult to be a Spaniard than it is to be an American because there was um, 27 riders got picked from day one, which was, um, Spanish riders, Italy riders, Italian riders, and French riders that went and rode. And I think 16 out of those 27 were Spanish. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Something like that. That list was just full, just Spanish, 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 Spanish. Like it was full of just Spanish riders. So, and there was three Americans that got picked for day three. So it's, a lot more difficult, I think, for an Amer- for a Spaniard to get picked, but they are all just on that level. So you can't you can't deny it. You can't say they're not doing their part. Did you uh, did you cry when you find out you didn't get picked? This close. <laughs> this close. This close. Oh. I was in my dad's arms and I was this close. Oh. No, that's good. I don't think there's anything bad with that at all. I mean, I just asked because, I mean, when you really, really want something and you put that effort in and you yeah. don't get it, man, I mean, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, man. You cry and you get it out. And it, and if you take that positive and you, you know, yeah. let it be. But it's motivation. It's motivation, motivation. for next year because now my motivation, win the championship, straight into Rookie's Cup. Don't even have to worry about the risk of a selection event. Just go straight in. Dude, I, I can't wait. Man, do you, do you remember, I don't know if you saw this, but you guys were going to go out to the track at Silverstone. I'm watching, I was like, ah, it's my boy. I didn't want to get too close. And, you know, I, you know, you guys getting ready mentally. And I was like, all right. And I, I saw you guys, I was lined up. And, man, I was backing up. And I didn't know there was a curve there. And, and you I, slipped your head. And, and, I, and, I, and I went like that. Did you see me do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. Did you laugh? Did you laugh at me? No, I tried so hard not to, just because I had you know the headphones in and I was about to put my helmet on, but I was so close to laughing, I couldn't. I couldn't because I, I had, I had met you only like a couple hours earlier, and it was so hard for me not to laugh. <laughs> man, you should have. I, 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 I make fun of myself all the time, but man, the fact that I did all this with the arms yeah. and I had that look of fear in my eyes like God please don't let me fall in front of these kids <laughs> I mean yeah. that was, and I was like I wanted to juju see that yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering if he did but let me tell you something I really when you were in Silverstone I made a point to sneak into places I weren't supposed to be in I was kind of like kind of sit and went in and watched you guys and I watched you and I was really really so I wasn't just, I wasn't just whistling Dixie I was like I was here to see you and yeah and I watched both your races so yeah I was there for you bro I mean I was looking down at you I was inside thank you, thank you. The, yeah you're looking at you like come on bro I mean I really yeah. was like come on bro yeah it was hard I mean the race one at Silverstone was hard it was if you know um, i'm sure you remember but it was a really big you know rainstorm that it just yes. flooded the whole day and um the track was really sketchy conditions that i crashed at a third so for me that was a really difficult day because that 
I was, I think I was fourth in the championship at that point. And uh, when I crashed out, I, you know, missed out on those 16 points. So I dropped back to sixth place. But, so that was a hard, hard race for me. But um, I, I always enjoy the weekend at Silverstone. You can't really not enjoy it, can you? Oh my! It's MotoGP. MotoGP is MotoGP. You're riding in the with the best of the best in the world. You know, you walk around the paddock, and there's like five MotoGP riders just pat just walking by you or riding scooters, and and you're able to walk down the trucks and and you're able to be in pit lane and you can't you can't not have a smile on your face while you're going through MotoGP. It's impossible. That's why I love talking to you guys because I have nobody here to talk to me about this. So I it's, yeah. I don't have anybody to say that to because no one gets what the fuck I'm talking about here. That's why I'm like, you guys know. It's like, I mean, anything else in life, like I've worked with the biggest comics, this and that, but when I'm around MotoGP guys, I go, <gasps> Even to yeah. this day, I go, like, you know, like, I, I think, uh, yeah, I was, it was in Silverstone. Marcus came into the Alpine Stars. That's where I got this T-shirt. He came into the Alpine Stars Hospitality and gave it, like, a talk. And we asked some questions. And I was like, <gasps> and, we yeah. took, and we took pictures with it. Like, who makes you do that when you're at MotoGP Weekend? Like, say it's Silverstone. Like, who was the one rider? Maybe it's all of them that makes you just go, like, you kind of, like, lose your shit for a little bit. So when I was at MotoGP, I was... I hang out with Sean quite a bit in MotoGP because I don't really get to see him that much throughout the year, obviously, because he's, you know, he has a world championship calendar and he's all over the world. But um, one of the MotoGP riders came up and they were talking to Sean. I It was Maverick, I believe. Yeah. And I was stood next to Sean while he was talking to Maverick because they're like training buddies with Aleish Santacleo. Yeah. And they were talking and I was like in awe that like Maverick was just right in front of me. And, and then I, you know, they finished talking and uh, you know, I said bye to Sean or whatever. And I was, cause I had to go get ready. And um, I was walking up in the Grassini hospitality and Alex Marquez was just stood right there on the top of the hospitality. And I was like, well, what's going on? It was insane, honestly. And then, and then I go to make a left and then I'm, walking towards the Alpine star hospitality or, and you know, the truck they have for the, for the rider support and then they Bastianini and Jack Miller walk out. And I was like, Oh my God. And this was like the first day or something. And I was like, it was my free practice one or something. I went to go um, say hi to Sean. And and then I go back to go back to the team and I see four MotoGP riders there. It was, it was insane, honestly, but I didn't, I didn't get to see Marquez all weekend. Yeah, my teammate did, but I didn't get to see Marquez. Man, but they're all so cool. I mean, they really are. And it's funny, I guess I'm a grown ass man. I was in Alpine yeah. Stars, and uh, I swear, Maverick. Like I was in Maverick's way a little bit. He go, "Oh, excuse me, BT," and he put his hand on my shoulder, and I was like, <gasps> "I mean, it yeah. was." Like, you would have thought that the hand of Jesus hit me. I was like, <sighs> "Yeah, crazy," because they're like they're humans too. Like they're just normal people, but you look at them a totally different way just because of what they do. Yeah. I mean, but it, it, that that never leaves me, man. It never leaves. Like, I'll act like I'm all cool and shit, but man, when they walk into the room, I would yeah. stiff arm my mom to get out of the way if I could talk to Marcus or any of those guys. Yeah, even like I was stood in the back of uh, American Racing Truck, and it's just like John Massio walks by with full leathers on, like, and just goes and gets changed right next to me. I'm like, like, like you watch these guys on TV, and until you actually see them in person, like they just like fill you up with this kind of like excitement because you and then it like fires you up to want to be like them yeah 
I could see you racing against Jamie Massey. I mean, honestly, because you're kind of similar. He's in Moto3. You can come yeah. up. You could be there soon. I could see you racing against him. I, you know, it's funny. I make fun of him. I call, I call him the Home Alone kid, especially when he first started. I could be like the Home Alone kid. And yeah. then I saw him in person. I go, this kid could whoop my ass because he looks a little different in person, man. He looks a little, you know what I mean? Dude, they all look like they can, though. They're all ripped. They're, they're all massive. They're, they are. You, you don't see on TV, it looks look small. But, man, you see him in person, like, holy shit, this little 18-year-old this little could whoop my ass. I mean, I got kind of scared yeah. of him. Oh, who was I saw? I, it was one of the it was one of the Japanese riders from that. I I don't I want to say it was either I want to say it was Tayo Fursato. I was gonna say the same thing, Fursato. He's like a little tree stump, but he's <laughs> like bulky and he walks like this. And I'm like, like on TV they look like this. Yes, but when you see him, they're like. Big, like their calves are like massive. Their quads are like sticking out of their shorts. And you and you take and take a picture and you put your hand on their shoulder. You're like, oh my god, it's like great. And it's like a firm grip too. Yes, yes. It's, and it like hurts your shoulder blades. And <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yes. Oh. Yes, I'm gonna ask you this question because Sean Dylan Kelly, since you he's he's my buddy too, and he gave me the best answer to this. And I ask him, I go, "What's your favorite oh shit moment?" in racing and I asked him this and he goes it was when he was in Red Bull Rookies Cup and he was in the ref and he I don't I forget what what turn he's going around he goes you know he's and he goes yeah I'm really you know he's on it and he said Raul Fernandez went around him and he goes holy shit this is what I got what I gotta do so what's your I have the same thing at Jerez okay so ETC it was my you know, maybe second or third lap I had ever ridden the track. Uh-huh. Like I never, I've never been to Jerez until then. I had never touched, well, because I had a different bike. Well, it's the same bike, but there was a couple more things to it. So I was still trying to get used to it. And Maximo Martinez flies by me like I'm stood still. <laughs> like second lap of the weekend, and he's just gone. And I'm like, what did I just get myself into? What am I doing here? This pack it up. We're going home. I don't know why I'm here. I have the exact same thing around Jerez. I don't know how we've never talked about that with him, but no, that I asked. I just remember Sean. Sean told me that story. Yeah, and he goes, I go. Have you told him? That? He goes, Nah, I've never told Raul that. And I just thought that was funny. And I, every time I see Raul, I want to tell him that story, but it's yeah. hilarious. And like, yeah, it was Max Martinez, and then Guido Pini goes around. He's last year's champion yeah. and then Maximo Martinez is leading the championship this year and he's just gone gone and I'm like oh my god this is gonna be a great weekend because it, like, it hurts you inside too because you're like I want to be with them but I just don't know how they're doing it I know what you mean, man, but I just think that's yeah. hilarious that you're racing too. And to the outside eye, for me, looking at you guys, I'm going, how do they do it? And to see somebody, and but you're in it. So to see somebody go around you and you go, holy shit, how is he yeah. doing that? How is he doing that? And even like still, I'm sure like if I ride with him at Jerez again, I'd still be like, how? That was, <laughs> I finished the weekend two seconds off their lap times. 
Wow. Which for me isn't that bad, but still, it's like two seconds is two seconds. Two seconds. I was gonna say that, but I don't race, so so two seconds. But two seconds is two seconds. So let me ask you this. I mean, for now, start looking in. Moto three just looks like they they're in it, and there's no like there's no plan. Look, look like this is a, a big street fight, but there's got to be some kind of strategy. Like, so what is that strategy? And I watched your races too. You have them up on your YouTube channel. By the way, you guys go to Julian Carrera um, on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel that shows all his races. And I watched too. It looks pretty much the same. And it's a dog fight too. You On those English tracks, people don't realize those tracks are very narrow. And that's a street fight too. So is there any strategy at all in that? So for me throughout the race, you do develop a bit of strategy. Like going into the race, you have no strategy. You, obviously, you want to say, oh, I'm just going to go out win the race. I'm going to throw down a bunch of these lap times. I'm going to go win the race. It's never going to work. It's not going to work. There's there's this thing called a draft. It's not going to work. So it's not unless you're like a second faster than everyone else, mm -hmm. it's not going to work. So you do develop a strategy. You notice where some people are slower. You notice where some people are faster than you. And then you have to kind of put it all together in the last three laps. And, you know, most importantly is the last lap, which you want to be, you know, second, third going in the last lap. You don't want to lead. You don't want to lead and you don't want to be outside the top three because by then it's too much work to get, you know, onto the podium. So it's, you know, for me, Donington race one was the best race I've ever had in my life. I, started 11th which was my most poor qualifying of the season mm -hmm. and i fought my way up to second um in in the race and i finished on the podium which was super cool because i had my dad there and uh because we were going to rookies cup the next morning mm -hmm. we had to catch a flight from the airport to to go to rookies cup in the morning so he had to come with but um you know that was super cool to have him there but for the race it was just so much going on there was eight or nine of us in a pack and it was either you pass or you get passed. That's how it is in Moto3. Yeah. And um, I started developing, uh, you know, a bit of strategy. I was figuring out where I'm quicker, where they're quicker. And I noticed there was this one area where I was just miles quicker than anyone else on the brakes. And it was, um, so you go down um cranes curve then you have that tight right and then you go yes. back uphill yep. left and then into the like long kind of long right yep and there on the brakes i would draft up to the side and pass three people at once on the brakes so i you know only did that once and i was like i could do that <laughs> like that's my corner i own that corner no one's getting by me there so I noticed where some of the other people were quicker and I tried to improve there throughout the race. So it, when it came down to the last lap, that's not where they were going to pass me if I made my move there. So I set my race up perfectly. I on the last lap P P four, I think actually, um, you know, one onto the last lap P four sat behind them. And then once we got up to the top from fourth, no, I got passed down cranes curve from fifth, to second in one corner. Holy and from there, I got drafted by one person going down into Foggy's S's, which is the chicane before going downhill into that tight right-hander. Yeah, And I got drafted down into there. So I was third going into Foggy's S's. And then Emmanuel Brinton was actually the person that redrafted by me, got by, made the pass. 
and then down into Melbourne Loop. Um, he tried to go up the inside of the leader, but the leader stayed to the right. Um, so he went a bit wide. And I was like, I need this podium. Like, I, I'm taking this podium. This podium is mine. So I went up the inside and because um, he he left a little bit of group, like, I don't know, maybe this much room, but that's just enough for a front wheel. So yeah. I put the front wheel there. Yeah. Uh, we ended up having contact. I think he did end up crashing out of the race because of that, but um, which obviously wasn't my intention, but, you know, <laughs> things happen. Yeah. Race is a race. It's Moto3. So um made the move and then wasn't able to because that happened i was i got not the best drive so i couldn't make the move on p1 but finished the race p2 and it was by far the best race of my life like <sighs> everything from the plan that i had in the beginning of the race to the end of the race it all worked out you know the plan was really just to find my my strengths and my weaknesses and and build the weaknesses and just maintain the strengths because, you know, starting from P11, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Going, but, at, at, going to that first turn, the whole shot, man, who knows what can happen? Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know if, if you're on the outside and the two people on the inside, you know, touch and they're both out and you're gone too. So you never know what's going to happen, you know, in the tight group like that. You just have to have – that's another thing cool. cool. Oh, That's another thing that's cool too is that um, having that trust – and like building the trust with other riders and um, trusting each other, you're not going to, you know, have a big mess in one corner. So that's another thing that's pretty cool about racing. I'm going to ask you, because you, yeah, you kind of brought up a little bit now. We always talk about, you know, riders having the red mist. Have you ever been like really pit, like really pissed? Like, of course, things happen. You go, man. But were you like, you know what? I'm not letting that slide. Like, when have you got the red mist where you were? You that, think that, was, that was the race where I felt that. But to be honest, I feel it more in America than I do in BTC. Really? Because I race the mo my NSF 250, which has 47 brake horsepower, maybe, if that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know I'd get lucky if I hit 115 on a straightaway. <laughs> and then they throw me in races with V2s that are, that are twins and like big SV650s and RS660s and R7s here in the club races and I get so pissed off because I'm that I'm I obliterate like fully obliterate them through the corners and on the brakes and then on the straightaway it's just gone 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 and it's like oh come on and that's where I really get like where I only see red and I'm just like I I'm gonna destroy you like honestly like I want to you know hit you and just knock you off your bike but I can't because I know I'd get knocked off the bike because yeah. I weigh nothing yeah compared to that so but no i did feel that at dunnington like i just had i was just, i just saw red like it was so much like red that my dad asked me because i've never raced like that in my life i've never had that much contact ever in one race i think i had more contact in that one race than i have ever in my life but i just he asked me after the race what was different and i told him I don't know. I, I cannot tell you what happened in that race. Cause my, I just shut my mind off and my body was just doing it. Like I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about what would happen if I did this, what would happen if I didn't, I was just doing it really. And that's something that I'm 
really happy that I figured out now because that's something that you need work going forward in the Moto three. Cause what you think Moto three, you guys think about their passes. <laughs> David Alonso doesn't think about nothing. Massey doesn't think about anything. Munoz a thousand percent has no idea what he's doing, but he does it anyways. Denny on true. On true, man. Get the on hell out of the way. Think about anything. Yes. He's, him and Munoz are the most aggressive riders I've ever seen. They don't. They do not think about anything. More aggressive than Alonzo. Alonzo's the same way. I personally. Yeah, Alonzo. Alonzo's clean. Munoz. Nah. <laughs> no, I think look, I think they're all pretty much there except for Sasaki. Sasaki seems like to be the only one who's sensible. Like who if thinks about something. He he, he thinks. Yeah, he, like he like like little, if there was a, a bit hesitant. Like if something happened, it was a big fight, you want Sasaki to talk to the police. You know what I mean? Like, okay, here's yeah. what happened. You know what I mean? Like he'd be the one to talk to the police. Where meanwhile, you want Munoz, Halgado, and everybody else like, hey, you guys shut the They'd room. be in the fight. Yeah. They they'd be part of the fight. <laughs> They joined in. They don't know what they're fighting about, but they joined. They're just throwing punches, man. They're throwing yeah. punches and punches. You know what I mean? He's in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is there a bit of writer that you just don't, you just don't vibe with? Like you go, you know what? I just don't like this guy. Like it, like it, like it maybe started on the track and you go, okay, maybe it's a race thing. And after a while you go, you know what? I just don't like this guy. I don't know. I don't like to hold anything against people. I'm sure there, there are a couple of riders that are, a bit aggressive in racing, but I think I've kind of built that up in me too. So that way I, I can't just say, well, he's riding too aggressive when I had that much contact in the race. So I can't say anything about that anymore, but I don't really, for me at the racetrack, I don't talk to people. Okay. Like if I talk to you, I like really like you or you're important in like to me and in my program. Like if you can ask anyone, like I'm the most chill guy at the track off track. Like when I'm riding, I like come into the box with, you know, headphones in, you know, vibing, not talking to really that many people unless, you know, you're my crew chief data technician or, or, or some of my mechanics. But um, even like after, you know, when there's like four hours left to one of our sessions, I don't talk to anyone. Like, honestly, I'm, I keep to myself. I have my teammate, George Bose, who's, you know, he's kind of came into my little brother now. Cause I, I stayed at his house while, while, uh, during the season, you know, his dad would pick me up from the airport and then, um, we'd chill, we'd get a bit of training in during the week and then we'd head to the track together. But so I talked to him quite a bit just cause, you know, it was his first full season. So it was, I took it as an opportunity to, to help him and, um, you know, for to, uh, you know, kind of give back what his dad's doing for me this year. So, um, I helped him with whatever I could, you know, on the track, if he needed a bit of a toe, I, I'd give him a toe, you know, I'd give him, you know, five minutes of the session to, to, you know, sit the line, see the lines and, and cause I've ridden the tracks before and he's never ridden them before. So he kind of has to see that, but everything else, I don't really talk to any of the other riders outside of the team. Like I've talked to the teammates, um, George in particular, but everyone else, I might say a couple words to you if, if you had a good session or, or if you won the race. But uh, other than that, I don't really talk to too many people. So there's not really somewhere I'm like, I really do not want to talk to him this weekend or, or I keep me away from that kid or I might get into a fight with him or something. So there's not really anyone that I'm really like that. I, I don't like to hold that against people. That's why, honestly, I like, like I was like, I was excited to see you, but I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta chill, cause I'm all, 
I, I can't contain it. It's I don't know why I'm a grown ass man. So I, I realize like I'm like, ah, I do. But I realize you're racing. Here I am coming like, ah. And if you don't know me, you're like, why is this guy like, is this a crackhead? Why is he coming at me like this? I don't even know this dude. But it's like it's but it's I can't contain it. Like That's the happiest I am in the world is when I'm at a at a racetrack. I mean, I'm just like, I'm so happy. And it's MotoGP. And I, I'm going to go see. I talk to your dad. Like, I'm going to go see Juju. And you're there. I go, ah. But I knew you were talking to your dude. I think, I think I don't know who it was, your owner or whatever. But anyway, you were talking to him. I go, okay, just be cool. And I know you were talking, trying to get, because, you know, the weekend didn't work out like you wanted. And I was waiting. And then you came in. I go, hey, man, so how'd it go? And I was like, so like, just, uh, I'm like this the whole time. Hey. No, that's cool. That's good. That means you have a love and a passion for it. Well, that could also give me arrested him if he didn't know me. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's like this. I'm just glad you said you saw me almost fall. That's the funniest shit because I didn't think I was hoping you didn't see that. That was the most incredible. That was the most bonehead moment. But I had to laugh myself. Like I can't believe I almost fell in front of you. Okay, before we get out of here, I gotta. Before we get out of here, it's race day. What do you listen to on your headphones? Like, how do you get yourself into the zone? All right, so I have actually a Spotify playlist just for racing. Look at this and dude. Look at this kid. This kid. Yeah. Not even a kid. Look at this young man. Yeah. I, have, I have a Spotify playlist that I named just for race weekends. And um, like I said, I'm a really chill person. Yeah. So I listen to, like, some chill rap. If that makes sense, like no, bring it up. I, I want to hear it. Bring it up. Bring it up. Bring it. Bring that playlist up. I want to know what you listen to because I want to be like Juju Monster. It's it's a lot of um, Travis Scott. You know what? So does Fabio. He listens to uh, Travis Scott. Yeah, it's a lot of Travis Scott. I have a lot of Travis Scott's new album. Okay. Um, I listen to a bit of Drake, but Drake kind of gets me a little too hyped sometimes, so I can't listen to Drake. That's one thing about me. If I race, I can't be hyped. Like, my dad tries to hype me up before I can't. I can't do it. I won't ride. Like, I have to be chill in a, like, state of zen, really. Like, a lot of people are, like, like, I look on the grid, and there's, like, a bunch of riders that, like, you know, like, tapping their chest, like, like going like this, and they're, like, you know, giving their a mechanic's big hug or whatever. I'm, like, I, I look at them like kind of side eye almost like I can't, I can't do it. Like, I don't understand how they do it. Like I, like me and my mechanics, you know, we dab each other up yeah. and then fist bumping and he's out really. So that's kind of, it's, I can't get too hype. If I get too hype, it throws me off and I make a mistake somewhere. See, that, that's why I, I, that's my favorite, actually, that's my favorite question because my favorite point of anything in athletics, maybe just in life, is that moment right before it, it you know, where it's time to do the business. You know what I mean? It's like you're in there and so everybody's different. I was talking to Rocco Landers. Rocco listens to like history podcasts while he's on the, on the, on the grid. He's had his headphones on. He's listening to history podcasts. I mean, who does that? You know, but everybody's different. But my favorite point, and I call it the Shank Link moment because people don't realize when you're on the grid and it's time and you get that ooh, and the horn goes off and then the bike goes off the stand and you hear like and everybody's you know getting and then like you said you dap your mechanic up 
and you, you know, put your gloves on, whatever. And then they start that bike up, bro. And it's time to get it on. And that's, that's my favorite moment, man. That's why I try to stay out of the way. And I just study everybody. Like, what are they doing? What are they listening to? What, you know, where's that brain at? Where, you know, what are you thinking? And that's my favorite moment. Yeah. You know, you see a bunch of riders, you know, make like posts about like, uh, you know, silence. Like they do, like they put like air, air pods and then they do, and then like you turn it and then it's like them with their helmets on. Like some people think it's a joke. It's not like for, I don't hear anything when I have my helmet on and you're like about to go out, like not necessarily before FPs. Um, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of have to talk to people for that. So you do listen to stuff, but like when you're on the grid by yourself, it's just you and the bike and those lights. Honestly, even when I'm full, like revved up, I don't hear anything. Like people think it's a joke. I don't hear anything. Like it just goes quiet in my mind. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that. I like everybody's process is different, but yeah. I, I love hearing that. Like, you know, that, like I said, it's that moment before and everybody's is different, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of weird and I don't know how to explain it because I can't do it with anything else. No, it unless is. I'm in British Hanko, because that doesn't even happen here, like racing weir or something. It's only BTC that I've had it so far because I haven't gotten it. Well, ETC as well, but like it's just complete and utter silence. Like I can't hear anything besides nothing really. No, it's, it's, it's not weird. Really Everybody's process is different, but it shows that you're focused. And I and I love hearing that you're focused. You're passionate. Ah, damn, man. I, I honestly, I was always a big fan. I'm even a bigger fan now. I really am. I'm a, even a bigger fan. I love what you're doing, man. I love, and I always say what your dad is doing for motorcycle racing in America is not to be understated. That guy, I just think what he, especially in Florida, even, you know, with the, with the great weather, He's starting something, man, that shouldn't be understated. Like, the, I think the great American road racers are going to eventually have to, uh, will come through Florida. And what your dad's doing should be commended, man. So I yeah. commend you on what you're doing. I'm an even bigger fan. If you guys get a chance, follow Juju Monster on Instagram. This kid is going to the top. You hear him. He's focused, and he knows what he wants to do. And when he's got his headphones on, no, he's listening to some cool-ass Travis Scott music, and he's about oh, to ready to do that it, thing. That's it. Real quick, like, give me your top five athletes. Uh, that you look up to. They don't have the motorcycle racers, but your top five athletes of all time that you look up to that you get guidance from. Okay. Um, number five, um, I'm going to go to Ronaldo. I love his worth et work ethic. Right. Um, you know, he never settles for anything more than his best. Um, number four, ooh, I'm going to have to go Mark Marquez just because yes. I'm, I'm a massive Mark Marquez. He, he's my favorite rider of all time. Yes. Um, number three, uh, he's not really an athlete, but my dad. My Hell dad, yeah. I look Hell up to my dad yeah. more than anyone else. Yes, yes. That should be said. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Go ahead. Yeah, number three is my dad. I, I actually, you know what? We'll put him in number two. Okay. Number two is my dad. Okay. Um, number three, another athlete that I really like is LeBron James. Um, you know, just because of how long he's been going for, like he's been going forever. Well, how old is he? Almost, you know, 30 something, right? Yeah. About 36, I think 38, I think 38, yeah, I think. 38, yeah. So yeah, like, 
that kind of, you know, and he's never dropped off his top. Like he's still performing at a really high level. Yes. Um, you know, my dad, number two and number one is Sean Dylan Kelly. Man. Yes. Number one. I love I that kid. Him more than anyone else. You know, he's not, you know, he may not be the greatest full time, but in my eyes, I think he is. No, I, I really think, I mean, the way he's come up and the way, and he, I never met his dad, Pat. He hits me up on Instagram every now and like, you know, hey, thanks for, you know, whatever my son, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, man, I fucking love your son. So, yeah, man, I, John Dillica, I love that kid. I, when I see him, it, it, yeah, it's like a ray of sunshine. And I, I know he's going to shine through. And I, I loved how he got done wrong by whatever, but he came back on that other bike and got a point with them. And I love that. I mean, that yeah. just shows resilience, and he'll be back. So, yeah, I'm glad you gave a shout-out to him. Man, I'm up against it. Jay, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, listen, go celebrate your birthday properly. Go to Hooters. Get one of those girls to get you some wings or something, man. You know, live life a little bit. I mean, motorcycles are great, but every now and then, you got to take a little time off. So go to Hooters. Yeah, yeah. Get some wings. <laughs> you got it, dude. <laughs> thank you man you're the great mean that dude i'm a big fan follow juju monster this kid i'm telling you moto gp in the future one day i know he is and he's gonna win the red bill rookies cup and i know he will i got faith in you bro thank you dude appreciate it thank you for having me thank you so much i'm bt this is tales for gemini i hope you enjoyed the episode you know how we say about this time you know the word peace, peace out <laughs>